If they will not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded if someone should rise from the dead. You might be wondering who in their right mind wouldn't be shocked if someone came back from the dead. I dare say I would. To get a better grasp of what Father Abraham is saying, we need to peel back the layers of the story to reveal its hidden subtext. First, let us fast forward five chapters in Luke's Gospel. It is the first day of the week, two days after the events on Calvary. From the first few lines, we already know that Jesus' body is missing. We learn that there have been certain eyewitnesses who have testified to his being risen from the grave. The women at the tomb, the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, and Peter. None of them, however, had actually seen the resurrection. In each of these episodes, we are confronted with a consistent theme. They began, begin with a mistaken identity and end with a faith-filled testimony of the resurrection. Those to whom Christ chose to reveal himself needed first to have their understanding of the world, indeed reality itself, challenged by the spiritual interpretation initiated by the Paschal Mystery. When finally Christ appears to his apostles in the upper room, he says to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the Law of Moses, the Prophets, and the Psalms. And he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Here is our connection with the parable. Father Abraham's words to the rich man suddenly echo Jesus' own words to his apostles. If they will not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded if someone should rise from the dead. Indeed, none of them were persuaded. The testimony of the women at the tomb they immediately dismissed as nonsense. The disciples on the road to Emmaus had given up hope. Their expectations of the kingly Messiah liberating Israel from its oppressive Gentile overlords were dashed. Jesus was, in their own words, a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. They completely failed to grasp the true meaning of Jesus' death. When their mysterious pilgrim companion revealed himself to be a completely different sort of Messiah, he did so by expounding the scriptures, beginning with Moses and all the prophets. Their hearts were burning within them, opening their spiritual senses to fully recognize him in the breaking of the bread. We see in all these examples that Jesus is truly risen, but those in the story do not perceive him because they are looking according to the flesh, as though he were still bound by space and time. Christ's body, while truly composed of flesh and blood, is nonetheless spiritual, passing into that more perfect tabernacle not made by hands, so says St. Paul. The glorified body of Christ is everywhere present to us, if, 
only we had the eyes to see. Just a moment ago, you witnessed me using incense before proclaiming the gospel. We signed ourselves, and I kissed the book out of reverence. You responded with an acclamation of praise to Christ. A little later from now, we will consecrate bread and wine and partake of the sacred species. These gestures are acknowledgments of our belief in the presence of the resurrected Jesus in our midst. Yet this can be overlooked if an active faith does not inform our actions and our spiritual eyes are not open to the mystery unfolding around us. The fourth century desert father, Evagrius of Pontus, once said that the spiritual interpretation of the scriptures is the resurrection. He explains that the movement from ignorance to the state of spiritual knowledge is the final purification of the mind. From what, you may ask? If the rich man in today's parable is any indication, then we see the urgent need for conversion. Conversion, by the way, comes from the Greek word metanoia, for change of mind. The gulf that exists between the rich man and Lazarus is symbolic of the soul's fixed state of being after death. Those in hell see their condition as anything but freely chosen. However, it is precisely their refusal to acknowledge this truth that keeps them there. They are stuck in their self-pity. Our thoughts, then, can become for us either the key to freedom or the chains of imprisonment. St. Paul says that becoming the new man in the image of Christ is accomplished only by our being renewed in the spirit of our minds. The resurrected Jesus can only be seen through a purified mind which has put to death the components of its earthly nature. We have of ourselves nothing in comparison with God by which we could reach him, either through knowledge or experience. This is why we must continuously deny ourselves and reorient our life according to the pattern of Christ. He will draw, draw us to the contemplation of heavenly realities. It is by the road of renunciation that we must come to rely on God alone, who will raise us up to pure knowledge of him and union with him. So, returning to the parable. Parables are designed to shock, to question conventional knowledge and cultural assumptions, and to open the listener to a broader, albeit spiritual, perspective. The goal isn't so much to deliver an argument, but to provide a mental gap in which conversion is possible. They encourage the listener to come to his own conclusions about himself and the world by placing him within the narrative. Genuine conversion, after all, can only be achieved by a personal act of the will. Jesus does not force his listeners to adopt a set of moral values and doctrines, but invites them into the truth, which he himself embodies. This is why he tells his disciples, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables 
so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Those who are open to a sincere change of mind and heart rise, as it were, from ignorance to spiritual knowledge. This new set of data becomes the matrix for living a life free of the passions that cloud our judgment and inhibit our ability to choose the good. So, in conclusion, I now leave you with this quote from the Rule of St. Benedict. What, dear brothers, is more delightful than the voice of the Lord calling us? See how the Lord in his love shows us the way of life. Clothed, then, with faith and the performance of good works, let us set out on this way with the gospel for our guide, that we may deserve to see him who has called us to his kingdom.